We're here with the 39th episode of Fear Frequency, and for our new listeners, it's a weekly horror podcast where we round up the latest horror news and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And I'm George Fazard. If you're a new listener, we would really, really appreciate it if you gave us a review on iTunes. And remember, you can always email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read your message on the show. Yeah, seriously, you guys should email us because we have gotten zero emails, but we have a lot of downloads, so... I'd like the list. The emails don't have to be equivalent to downloads, but like, One I'd like a nice. percentage. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like more than 12, 0%. 12 to twenty percent, maybe twelve to twenty percent. That seems fair. So, help us out, guys. Send us an email. And this week we have a special guest, Tim. Hey guys, long time listener, Tim? first time. I don't know. I guess I'm not calling in, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> You're calling in. Yeah, Tim's calling in from uh, Haddonfield, Illinois. And <laughs> this week, we're coming at you live from Ireland. We have some news stories about Hell House LLC 2, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Robert England's idea for a new Nightmare on Elm Street, and a review of The Devil's Doorway for you guys. But before we get into that, I'm getting an incoming transmission from Haddonfield, and it sounds like our friend Dr. Sam Loomis is dying again, which means we have a Halloween alert. That poor uh, man so, dies every week. Yeah. Did we talk about last week the 4K Blu-ray? I forget. No. Okay, so I think we left it off. So basically this weird listing came up on the Barnes & Noble website of all places for a 4K Ultra HD release of Halloween. It didn't have any album art, though, or I guess Blu-ray art. And it seemed kind of weird, but, like, people were asking Barnes & Noble on Twitter, like, hey, is this actually happening? And they didn't answer. So I noticed a lot of sites actually took down their story on it. But John Squires over at Bloody Disgusting has confirmed that on September 25th, 2018, we will be able to get Halloween on 4K Blu-ray. Which is good, because when you went and saw that 4K scan last year in theaters, the one thing I asked for was this movie on 4K Blu-ray. Yeah, I thought that it actually looked way better than I expected in 4K when we saw it um, in the theater. I mean, it's cool that we actually get to get a 4K release of this after, what, there was like another pretty big one that came out recently. Their Evil Dead 2 is coming out yeah, soon. Yeah, that was the other one. So it's nice to see that uh, these like older movies are still getting a chance to come out in super high definition. Yeah, and Halloween, the new one, the new Halloween, which should have a fucking subtitle. Uh, <laughs> it's emulating the film style of the original Halloween and as much as it can while still looking modern. So I feel like seeing the original Halloween in 4K will bring them closer to parody, which would be cool to make a double feature out of it. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's out in September, so you can definitely sit at home, watch this, and then go see the new one in theaters when it's out. Yeah, and... 4K Blu-rays are a thing that I never knew I wanted, but then when I started buying them, I like they're just so good. It, it looks legitimately better, and see, I haven't, I don't really have any older horror movies on 4K, so I'm I'm curious and excited to see what this looks like. Yeah, like I have Halloween on Blu-ray, but I mean, anytime they're gonna re-release it like this, even even when it's just a you know, like a, an uprise, I'm still just going to buy it just because it's the, my favorite movie. Yeah, I feel yeah. like uh, the step from Blu-ray to 4, 4K, like, is a bigger step than DVD to Blu-ray, even in my opinion, just with the, like, quality of picture and everything. So I'm really excited to, to see this one when it comes out. Yeah, because DVD to Blu-ray was, like, standard definition to uh, high definition with the TVs. So, like, when you put a DVD into a like hd tv it's still gonna look better than it did on your 480p tv but like right i feel like the the jump from hd to 4k is smaller and you're going from like hd to higher definition so like having the 4k blu-ray is more noticeable because of that yeah for sure i'm just happy that we're actually getting a, a release date of it and this year yeah i'm glad it's actually happening because that was really weird that's a weird way to announce it <laughs> it is an official thing because Lionsgate is on the disc and everything and it's like a very standard packaging it's the pumpkin with the knife right it's like the same old school poster that they've used for the dvd and blu-ray cover for years i mean it definitely makes sense from a sales sales standpoint to uh release it about a month before the the new movie comes yeah. out just because they're going to get a huge bump in sales from everyone that's going to go see the new one yeah i remember shout factory released their uh collector's edition of 
the strangers on i think like a day before the strangers <laughs> pray at night and i kind of want to know but i also don't for their sake like want to know how bad that backfired on them yeah because it's going from one good movie to a completely horrible sequel that yeah that, so that was bad. another one <laughs> movie sucked and then that was another one where they had the 4k scan and put it on a 1080p blu-ray which like okay uh anyways (laughs) david gordon green uh he was talking about that single take sequence that we were talking about last week and he said uh i'm dying for halloween fans to see the sequence it's a one-shot sequence when mike gets back to work uh it's a very long shot a very complicated scenario that we took a long time rehearsing and strategized on how to achieve it in one shot Michael does a little trick-or-treating of his own, and that's pretty exciting. I don't know why he's being so coy about what's in it since it's been <laughs> widely talked about, but I'm really excited for this. Uh, I really hope Blumhouse drops this trailer soon. It's just like... Yeah, I'm surprised time. that even like a week after uh, Comic-Con, they haven't released it publicly for all to see yet. It seems like that's more delayed than we would have expected. Like Normally, it's the same day, you know what I mean? Yeah, and... It just sounds so cool. I, I really want to see this. Because uh, they did reveal a bunch of stuff since Comic-Con. Like, a lot of stuff has trickled out already. So it just seems like anything they're trying to hold back in that trailer, I feel like, has already been talked about at some capacity. Right. Just because of the nature of Comic-Con and, like, how things have been trickling out and everything. So I just, I really want to see it. It feels weird to me that they didn't learn a lesson with, the CinemaCon footage. Like, I kind of got it with CinemaCon, because CinemaCon is a marketing event. Like, you know, it's it's made for advertising agencies and, you know, industry executives to see what's going on with these studios so that advertising can happen. So that made sense that they would show a trailer there and then re- release it a little later. But Comic-Con is weird because Hall H is full of people who aren't even necessarily fans, like we said. It's people who sleep outside, wait in line forever, and media people who are just there to get their article written And, I mean, you can see it on YouTube. IGN put out a post-panel video where the guy obviously doesn't like Halloween. He doesn't know anything (laughs) about the franchise at all. And he doesn't like scary movies. And he just talks about how scared he was and, like, generalizes hardcore the footage he saw. And it's like, if you're not even going to have the decency to send someone who knows what the fuck they're talking about to this thing, then that just makes it suck even more for the fans who are genuinely, like, this curious and excited to see this trailer. Yeah, it it is something that I think is going to be huge when it does drop, so I don't know if they're just waiting for like a more strategic time to release it, like maybe more mid-summer after like, there's a little bit of dip and they want to bring the hype back up like right before release, like maybe September or like late August. I don't know if that's, yeah. that's the idea behind it. Late August is the latest they can do it. Yeah. Like, that is the latest. And you know what? This... Th- I... I have a really, really strong feeling uh, that this is not Blumhouse and it's Universal calling the shots here because I think after talking to some people at Blumhouse, they want us to see this shit and a lot of the people behind the actual movie want us to see this trailer, but I think Universal as the distributor is being a little more uh, controlling than they should be. Mm -hmm. But hopefully we see it soon because that sounds really cool. Yeah, uh, I would love to see Michael Myers trick-or-treating in the sense that he just goes door-to-door and starts killing people. It's like a falling-down sequence <laughs> where he, like, starts with nothing, gets a hammer, upgrades to a knife, and then, like, keeps going with it, yeah. which is cool. <laughs> so I, I really want to see that. I hope they release it soon. I feel like but these speak- those oh, yeah, long yeah, Tim, style... Oh, yeah, what do you think of this? Uh, I think these long-style shots, every time they're in, like, a movie or show or anything, they always steal the show. That always becomes everything anybody can talk about, so... Uh, hearing this is is very exciting and um i just think that's it's going to be the thing that everyone's going to talk about after the trailer even probably after the movie it's going to be i think a, a show stealer yeah if you do a one take right that's like the only thing people remember about your movie yeah. for better or worse <laughs> like children of men that's an amazing movie it, the one thing people are like oh man that one take i mean that one uh take. the first season of daredevil i mean not not horror related but uh, they have the one hallway shot that, like, yeah. that that's 13 hours of content, and the only thing I've heard people talk about <laughs> in that show is, like, oh, do you remember that awesome st- uh, yeah. hallway scene? <laughs> that's the only thing I remember from the first season of that show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. Like, one takes are cool, and I'm glad they're putting one in this movie. Because, you know, they went with a low budget for this Halloween, 
and I feel like they could have, I don't want to say lazy, gotten lazy, but they could have, uh, they could have laid back and rested on the fact that they had a low budget for this and, you know, been pretty standard with their shot work. But it sounds like some legitimate thought went into making sure that this is a cinematic movie. And I am very yeah, excited. Yeah, it seems like they're taking a little bit more inspiration and not just like uh, using what worked from the first movie and, and recreating that. They're, they're putting their own spin and, and doing some unique stuff with it. Yeah, so speaking of Halloween, just this past weekend, which is why this episode's up a little late, uh, there was the Midsummer Scream convention it's, uh, down in Long Beach. So I thought this was a horror movie convention, and I was like, man, this is really weird. There's a lot of like props for haunted houses and masks and everything. Uh-huh. I realized about like 20 minutes in that it's a Halloween convention. <laughs> so the big focus, there was horror movie stuff, obviously, but the big focus was, you know, haunts and attractions and makeup and fx and everything which honestly was cooler to me after being there a little bit like they it was your normal type of convention where you know they had the part where they had the booths where exhibitors could you know sell their stuff but they also in the biggest part of the convention hall had i think like something like 30 i want to say haunted houses that people signed up and brought there and they were of varying quality i will say like some of one of them was just absolutely terrible but <laughs> this this one there was a 15 year old kid who made a donnie darko one and it was like five minutes long but it was really good huh. i liked it a lot it was really cool and uh, another guy made a trick-or-treat one which rivals halloween horror nights in my opinion like it was so great and um they were one of them electrocuted the yeah yeah like they, they had this thing called the hall of shadows which is like in the thing the size of like a like a basketball stadium i want to say like a huge stadium okay. size flat floor totally dark smoke machines on the entire time laser lights everywhere just like loud screams all around you (laughs) it felt like it felt like halloween it was awesome and the uh the trick-or-treat one was great there was one there were three of these things they were called terror trucks and it's like you can rent these things they're semi trucks that get driven to you and they're haunted houses in a semi truck trailer and one of them was called cold storage and you go through this like frozen meat locker and it was really cool but there's a bridge that's tilted and loose so when you step on it it kind of sways back and forth but when you grab the railings it electrocutes you (laughs) (laughs) and it was so weird like i was holding on to it i'm like man my hand is like oh fuck that hurts i was like oh i'm getting electrocuted like shit and uh there's a bayou one that was really cool but the trick-or-treat one was unreal like they got smells in it uh, pumpkin smells perfect sam costumes like they got the sam costume from trick-or-treat studios Mm -hmm. and they killed it with that they had a perfect replica of the red werewolf costume you know the little red riding hood costume yeah uh they did a great replica of mr the the old guy mr wilkinson or something i don't know the older guy his house Mm -hmm. they did a good job with that with all the writing on the wall that that was unreal and then so that's all the first day second day graham and i i went my friend graham oh no the first day ends we go to this party they have and it's like a middle school dance because it's in the biggest ballroom that this convention center has but it was no, it was like a quarter full which sounds bad but when you have a bunch of people in halloween costumes having it only be a quarter full was great because you could actually you know take in people's costumes like i saw a great jigsaw i saw someone who put a table on their shoulders put their head through it put on a halloween three pumpkin mask and built a tv around it oh, that that's lit awesome it's really cool <laughs> and it was sick and uh there's a jigsaw that was perfect and it was just funny like everyone was dancing everyone was having a good time it was great and the second day was the best for me because right when you walk in the first booth was from trick-or-treat studios who we've mentioned I don't know, George, how many times have we mentioned that? Like a bunch, right? Yeah. Like, like, every time they come on the new mask, we talk about them. Yeah, we talk about them pretty frequently. So the owner of the Trick or Treat Studios was there, Chris, and I got to talk to him on camera. So I I know we talked about this, but I don't think I really registered with me. They made the new Michael Myers mask for Halloween. Like, they made the one that was used in the movie. Like, so they had the mold. So the one that we've been talking about that you can buy for 60 bucks is made from the molds that were used on the one that's in the actual movie. Right, so, so it's, it's more than just, like, a good replica of a mask. Like, yeah. it's basically just a movie prop for 60 bucks. He said the only difference is that the the movie one has more camel hair and that the <laughs> reproduction one is more mole hair because camel hair is more expensive. So if you're going to, like, nitpick that hard, then 
like, I don't know, pay a little bit more from someone else. But if you're getting one right out of the mold, which is cool. And they actually had a screen use one in a box there, like, that you could see, which looked really cool. And then they actually brought out a prop that they're going to sell of that police officer's head that gets carved into a jack-o'-lantern. And it was like, you can buy it. It's, I think it's going to be like, I, I don't remember what he said. It might have been something like 50 bucks. You think anyone's it, actually going to buy that? <laughs> I'm going to buy it, dude. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, seeing it up close, it looks great. It looks awesome. It's just such a cool prop. And they're also doing an application, like a like with spirit gum and everything and makeup, mm-hmm. that you can uh, give yourself the dead eye that Michael has in this movie. Oh, yeah. To wear under the mask. Is, so, is that applied like cool, the inside cool. of the mask or on the eye? So I asked him that, Chris, that, and you said you can apply it with spirit gum to the eye of the mask, mm-hmm. but it'll look kind of weird. It'll look like it'll, it's popping out of the mask, which it shouldn't. So the real way to do it is you apply it with spirit gum to your face, and it's going to be big enough to where if you're wearing the mask, you don't really have to do any makeup appliance on it. You just spirit gum it like right on, to, right over your eye, like an eye patch, and then it should line up. Hmm. And uh, uh, they were really cool. He was really nice. Talked to me on camera. Someone, there was a guy named Paul Ponce, I think. He was dressed up as Michael Myers. He had the exact brand down for the jumpsuit and boots. And he was wearing the mask that you're going to be able to buy and the reproduction of the butcher knife that Trick or Treat Studios has. And I did a video on this, and he's standing behind me in it. And he's such a good Michael Myers that everyone thinks he's a mannequin. But it's a real guy. And it was just, it was really cool. That's what you want from Michael Myers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I almost bought... I almost bought a Leslie Vernon mask. They had like every Halloween, which was great. Like it was weird that I was thinking about it. They had a Halloween H20 mask, and I was like, they got it so bad that it's perfect. You know, like I was impressed with how bad it is. (laughs) The worst mask ever for Michael Myers with like the huge Halloween two one. Yeah, it was terrible. But it's like their replica is perfect, and they had some great replicas of the Halloween three ones. And then after that, I got to talk to Ryan Turek, who. If you guys don't know, he's the vice president of film development at Blumhouse, and he produced the new Halloween, but he's also the biggest Halloween fan of all time, and he was just the coolest guy ever. Like, I I cut down the interview a lot, and I took out some things that uh, were just fun, jokey questions, but if you go watch my video on it, you can hear him talk about what they want to bring back next, which is Friday the 13th, which is really cool. He uh, would love to bring back Scream. And then getting to hear him talk about how he is the reason that Blumhouse is able to get Halloween. Because we talked about this, George. The found footage Halloween movie that got canceled because of the Weinsteins let the rights lapse. He, like, had a thought about that. And it, all because of that is how Blumhouse ended up getting Halloween resurrected. So, yeah, getting to talk to Ryan was really cool. And getting a look behind the curtain uh, at Blumhouse was awesome. They, I think they know what they're doing. They, they're pretty cool. And uh, I talked to him about Unfriended Dark Web off camera for a little bit and the two endings and everything. And he said they had four working endings. And then they decided, like, last second to go with two. But the the one that we got uh, with the van, that's the one that was the ending from the beginning. That's, like, the quote, like, the canon ending, I guess. Like, Yeah. That's, that's kind of interesting. It is cool they had multiple endings for that. It's... Yeah, and... Uh... It was, definitely, it was cool. It was definitely a unique uh, thing. Like, I didn't really hear about it until that day, but I was like, man, I'm going to have to go see this movie multiple times. <laughs> and, like, I probably won't, really, because MoviePass doesn't let you see a movie more than one time. But, um, yeah. Like, there's no way to get it either. You can't replicate it. So right. It's like, and you can't, I don't know. You can't be sure that the next time you're going to see it is going to be the other ending either. Um, right. Like, it's not. And apparently, the van one is playing way more than the other ending gotcha mm. he was like shit you saw the van too everyone's seen the van <laughs> you think they're but, gonna try that out with more movies now or you think they're just gonna that was like a one-off i don't know i don't think unfriended made that much money i don't think they made their money back on it so i i feel like if they release a third unfriended movie they would definitely do it with that obviously because they set a precedent mm-hmm. but i think it was just a fun experiment to get people talking and i think the biggest problem with unfriended is that they released it on the weekend of comic-con right while they were announcing stuff about glass and halloween and like there was conjuring news like the nun news annabelle news all this shit you know it was just too much yeah there was a lot going on a lot to overshadow any kind of reviews or any talk about it yeah so just to wrap up thoughts on midsummer scream uh i i it's the third year it was going on 
this was big. Like, this was a big convention, but it was still manageable. And I think next year will be the one to be at. Like, if you missed it this year and you're bummed, I think next year is going to be the one where it really kind of skyrockets. Because uh, we got to meet Tom Holland, who directed the original Child's Play. And not, he talked not mad Spider-Man. shit. Not Spider-Man. No. He's, he's like 80. <laughs> and he talked, like, mad shit about how many sequels there are to Child's Play. It's pretty funny. <laughs> It's the guy who directed Fright Night, though, and he had, he had a lot of good things to say about Fright Night, and it was cool. Uh, I did a lot of stuff. I just don't want to keep rambling about it, but I highly recommend Midsummer Scream. It was a lot of fun, and getting to talk to Ryan was really cool, and getting to see that screen-used Halloween mask was great. It was great for my channel. I got all those views. <laughs> it wasn't something that I was competing with every other Halloween channel on for once, which... Uh, yeah. Which was very nice. It does sound like a cool event. I know there was all that other stuff going on with the haunted houses and everything. We should definitely try to go next year together. Yeah, dude. Uh, getting press badges was very helpful and fun. <laughs> so thank you to the Midsummer Scream crew for being very accommodating all weekend. And uh, the last thing is the only reason Ryan was there was because... He brought his slashback video installation to Midsummer Scream and set it all up. And we've talked about this a few times, I think. But if you're a new listener, basically Midsummer Scream, or basically, basically slashback video is an 80s video store where Ryan got all of these awesome VHS tapes of like any horror movie you've ever heard of and basically built up a video store around them called Slashback Video. And he announced that he's bringing it back in September on September 28th in Burbank at the Mystic Museum for Revenge of Slashback video and this year it's going to be 90s themed so that means he's going to bring in video games so That's I am very stoked yeah uh, yeah getting to see a video store in real life was bizarre <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird uh, so yeah that's that's Midsummer Scream that's Slashback video you got you love Nightmare on Elm Street George so I'm going to let you handle this one yeah, so um, Robert England came out and said that he had a, a new idea for a, another Nightmare on Elm Street. If he quote, if he had the Eli Roth budget and he could make his own uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, he said that he would cast different actors to play Freddy for, potential, for each potential victim. So the idea would be that every person who sees Freddy would interpret him a little bit differently because he's like a tulpa. Like, he is... Like something that would be an interp- like a manifestation of your fear. It'd be like so, it, like every you. It's not just the clown. It's it's not right. just Freddy. It's whatever you're most afraid of, or whatever is gonna give you more fear. Right. So he was gonna do that with like every person who sees Freddy would see a different, like a slightly different version of Freddy, and then maybe at the end the ultimate version would be like that. Freddy pulls his face off and it's Robert England underneath it, which would be kind of cool. But I thought that was a really interesting take on that idea. Yeah, That is an interesting idea. Have you ever seen the movie Galaxy of Terror, either of you? No. Definitely so Galaxy not. of Terror is an alien movie where the alien that attacks the spacefaring crew turns into whatever you're scared of and then kills you. And it's pretty cool. Like it, It's very 80s and it's kind of cheesy, but... Uh, I think one lady is equally afraid of being raped and uh, maggots. So the alien turns into a giant maggot and rapes her to death. That's That that would be horrifying, I'm not going to lie. That might yeah, be my biggest fear now that I'm hearing <laughs> yeah. it. So I just distinctly remember that one part because it was so creepy. But yeah, this is a good idea for a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. You know, you know that shit's coming back. I'm kind of Warner surprised Brothers they haven't done it. this yet. Like, it seems so, like, intuitive with the Nightmare on Elm Street, like, lore. You'd think they would have already thought about having him transform and become kind of different people or different things as he's, like, torturing. Right, especially as <laughs> when the actor who plays Freddy comes up with it right. before any of the writers do. <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I don't think they... So, people are talking about, uh, like, with RoboCop coming back as a sequel to the first one and Halloween doing the same thing. People were questioning, are they going to do this with every 80s movie? And I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street has had enough good movies that they can't do that, you know? Like, RoboCop 2 is good, but everything after that was kind of whatever. And everything after Halloween 2, and even Halloween 2 to a degree, is kind of not even close to the original. But with Nightmare on Elm Street, the second one's not great. Mm-hmm. But three is gr- phenomenal, and there's a few sprinkled in there that are also phenomenal. So 
uh, I don't think they can really reboot. They have to do a fresh reboot, is what I'm saying, and really nail it. Right. Unlike what they did the last time they rebooted it. Right. Which is destroy it. <laughs> Just do the worst CGI possible instead of having a, someone in makeup for Freddy. Yeah, Jesus Christ, dude. This movie fucking sucks. It's so bad. It's just awful. But speaking of sequels to good movies, Hell House LLC's open... Hell House LLC 2's opening scene was just dumped onto YouTube today by Terror Films, who I guess is published or distributing it this time around. And it's called Hell House LLC 2, The Abaddon Hotel. And it's framed as a sort of documentary this time around. Uh, where someone gets trapped in the Abaddon Hotel, the famous abandoned hotel, and uh, it, it looks like it's going to explore the cult more. But the problem, I, I, I didn't love it. I'll, I'll start there. What, what did you guys think of it? I, I wasn't too impressed. Yeah, I wasn't very impressed with it. The only thing about it that I thought was kind of interesting was seeing the people in like from the cult hanging out and like being in the hotel since that's the one thing they didn't really touch on in the original movie. But yeah. I just, I don't know, I didn't really <laughs> get, like, a good vibe from it at all. It felt, like, somehow lower budget than the original, and just not, but, like, Yeah, it felt like they had a better camera, but that didn't really help, because it just showed, it, it kind of showed their hand a little bit on the, the costumes and the overall, you know, aesthetic of the movie. It when you get a higher quality camera uh you see a lot more of the mistakes you know right it, it kind of shows the the cracks a little bit more and i don't know the the setup itself just doesn't seem that interesting i think the one of the things that's really charming about the first one is that it's like these people who set up uh like a haunted house and it turns out to be real and this is just like a guy who goes into an abandoned haunted house and gets stuck there or something like, it just seems yeah, like, yeah, not, like not very strong of an idea. They're not utilizing what worked really well from the first one in, in the sequel, at least according to the opening scene. I think I think as soon as we watched it earlier today, my official quote coming out of it was, not a strong opening scene. <laughs> like, it just no. didn't hook me at all. I, I'm not more excited or less excited than I was first hearing about it, so. And this is the only time in recent memory where I can think of a movie that released a straight up just fucking scene from it before a trailer like what they just uh resident evil 7 it just <laughs> give you the first couple of, uh minutes of the movie yeah just dumped it like on youtube too it's like well like i, I don't know man i get that if it was like a strong opening that was interesting right but this was no, like it felt like it was from the middle of the movie yeah it just felt yeah. really like if that's honestly the way the movie starts that's not good. <laughs> like I'm, I might just yeah. be an idiot, but I felt lost like less than thirty seconds into the opening scene of like what's effectively their first trailer. Like that's not a good sign. Yeah, and you know, I don't want to bring up the dreaded movie, The House is October. I was built just too, about to say that. <laughs> I'm getting very similar vibes from this. Like you know, Hell House LLC came out a lot earlier than it really caught on. And I don't think he's Stephen Cognetti, the director guy who did everything on that movie. I don't think he started working on two until very recently, like less than a year ago. So the fact that it's almost done, where Hell House LLC took about five years, I want to say to make that. There's just some there's some red flags. I mean, I'm excited for it. Obviously, I love Hell House LLC. You guys all know that, but I I'm worried. I, this this first clip worries me. Yeah, I was really hoping to come out of this feeling really positive about the sequel since i love the first one but this uh is not giving me any confidence yeah so i don't know i rewatched the house's october built one to see if the terrible sequel would sour me on it and it didn't that that movie holds up so if hell house llc 2 is bad then whatever we still have the first one in the director's cut yeah which is worth 15 dollars <laughs> So, next on here, you put a Funko news story on here. So, uh, next time in Michigan, you're getting shot with a nail gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, we talked about this a, a few weeks ago. Funko was doing um, the serials with uh, Freddy and Jason in the cereal boxes. And yeah, those kind of came and went, huh? Yeah, I mean, they kind of said they were coming out, and then no one said anything about them, but... I mean, maybe they did okay because they're coming out with a new one, and this one is Cthulhu themed. 
Are you going to buy it? It's pretty cute. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does look good because they add on, like, the more, like, appendages and things to mask the overall shape of a Funko Pop to add on to a Funko Pop, the better. Right. The less, like, a Funko Pop it looks like, the better. <laughs> yeah, like, what if... I don't know. Sorry, if you, listeners, if you like Funko Pops, but I just think those things are a fucking scam. Like, the only it's reason... It's just Beanie Babies of our generation. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and, and the problem is they, they get such obscure things. Like, my friend Graham was telling me, like, he's like, if you want... You know, action figures of every member of Guns N' Roses. Your only option is <laughs> Funko. And I thought that was a great way to put it. It's like, I don't like it, but I tolerate it. <laughs> I think it's it's fine because the people that do have very obscure tastes are able to finally have, like, something on their desk or their table for their, yeah. like, interest. But, like, it's the people that are collecting everyone that comes out that you don't, you no longer care about these super obscure movies and, and TV shows that you're buying these toys of. It's just another thing to have in your house. Yeah, it's going to collect dust and not right. <laughs> accumulate any value. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really like Funkos. I, I thought they were about to go out of business, and I was like, cool, maybe they'll start working on different kinds of action figures <laughs> to save their company. But it looks like they're on the upturn, which, like, great. <laughs> also, this. <laughs> Cthulhu cereal is an exclusive to a store called Books a Million, which I don't know what that is. <laughs> I have never heard of a Books a Million. So George probably yeah. won't be getting that. So, so maybe if I can find one on eBay or something, I can get one, but I'm not going to... Do you think that... You don't think they've accepted the online future yet? <laughs> you know what? Something tells me that Books a Million probably hasn't adapted too well with the times. Yeah, Books a Million sounds like a place <laughs> that got shut down as soon as Amazon was, like, announced. Yeah. This this seems like something where even though it's brand new, you'd walk into a books a million and there'd be an inch of dust on it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it comes out of the box like fucking caked in dust, <laughs> like it's fifty years old. But anyways, talking about movies again, Hereditary surpassed Lady Bird as the highest grossing theatrical release from A twenty four. You left off the from A twenty four there, George. I thought you'd read it. <laughs> So, Hereditary made $79 million. So, take that D-plus cinema score. <laughs> yeah, That's a lot of money. That's impressive, though, honestly. Because that movie is pretty hard to digest. Like, it is. I think it takes someone who at least is, like, a little bit of a film, like, critic or, like, analyst to really, like, chop up that movie and understand it. So, to see that this is that studio's highest grossing movie is pretty unexpected yeah i agree i mean i would have thought like the witch or you know whatever else like swiss army man or good time would have been their highest grossing but nope it's hereditary which is cool because it's a horror movie yeah i mean it did have a ton of buzz around it i mean i heard about you know they hyped hereditary for months you heard everybody talking about it so maybe it was just it had such good word of mouth from the festival mm-hmm. scene that people were just like, well, I guess I'm just going to go see it because it's supposed to be like the greatest horror movie since like The Exorcist or whatever. So, uh, And people probably use MoviePass to go see it. Right, that which normally which wouldn't have gone to see it. So, yeah. And then the director, Ari Aster, he announced his new project and started casting for it. It's a pagan cult horror film, which is right in line with Hereditary. Yeah, it's like it follows the a, same thing. Yeah, right. So maybe it's like a sequel or like in the same universe or something. And the story follows a young couple visiting an isolated Swedish village. Over the course of their vacation, they discover that its residents participate in an eccentric set of seasonal traditions. The recent death of the main character's parents casts a sense of dread over the proceedings. That sounds cool. It sounds like a funeral type deal where like they're sacrificing people to a god, which, spoilers, sounds a lot like Hereditary. (laughs) Yeah, it, it almost sounds too similar in a way, like, yeah, that there's, like, I agree. parents that are upset over, like, a death, or, you know, like, the guy's upset over, like, the death of his parents, so it's, like, it, it's still about mourning and about, like, family. family and, like, a cult, so, I mean, those are, like, all the elements of <laughs> Hereditary, pretty much. So, I don't know if it's just, like, this is that guy's shtick, or what, but, I mean, I, I like... Who knows? It's a, 
it's his second movie. Right. I mean, I liked Hereditary. I just don't want to see him do like Hereditary knockoff after he just right. did Hereditary. Hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Tim? Uh, I saw Hereditary. I think the uh, I, I don't know how much we're supposed to spoil here. There's one scene that was like I think all of our listeners have seen Hereditary. So if you haven't seen Hereditary, skip ahead thirty seconds. Yeah, the scene with the daughter's head coming off on the road was like one of the most shocking and like really well done scenes I've seen in a really long time. But overall, I I wasn't a huge fan of the rest of the movie. Um. I I was enough of a fan of that scene where I'd go see another one of his movies, but if it sounds like it's gonna be like, like you, like we're saying that it's gonna just be hereditary, I I don't know if I'm gonna be really excited about <laughs> it or if I'm just gonna uh, go hoping he uh, just knocks one out of the park again with like a couple scenes that that really work. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll I'll just have to wait and see. I don't think it'll be a long turnaround because you know these are pretty small movies yeah usually they're but, fairly low budgets so. i mean it sounds kind of like very similar to the witch as well with it being like yeah. a small village and mm-hmm. or like it wasn't even a village in, in the witch but like it still has like kind of that same vibe and... uh so maybe he's just taking things that have worked in the past uh <laughs> with i don't know is it the same um production company that's that's doing his next project? yeah it's still a24 yeah so he they're just doing things that work in the past and trying to create a formula emulate it yeah you know what i was listening to sardonicast which like i can only listen to every other episode now because they're so negative but like <laughs> uh they're talking about how if you go on a24 site there's a lot of a24 movies you just never hear about because they're so bad and i never really noticed that but i went on there and they're right like there are a ton of a24 movies that just come and go yeah so it's i get why they'd want to replicate the one that is very big Right, the one that was just their highest-grossing movie. Like, they probably want Lightning to Strike twice on that one. Yeah, so next on here, another artsy horror movie, Suspiria, the remake, gets a final runtime, and it's over two and a half hours long. Saying over two and a half (laughs) hours long for two hours and 32 minutes, come on. It's two hours and 32 minutes. I disagree with that, because there's going to be five minutes of credits there, so the movie's less than two and a half hours long. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, realistically, it's honestly less than two and a half hours like as a like movie solid but that's a long movie yeah it is that's an hour longer than the original suspiria yeah so i I don't know how i feel about that i think the first one we've talked about it before but like it's sort of a masterpiece and yeah i don't know if i mean like the trailers do look pretty good for it i think that it has the potential to be great but i don't know if it needs, like, another hour's worth of either from what's been coming out of the film festivals, which is being, like, incredible, like, shock gore. Like, I don't know if I need an, another hour of that over, like, what we got in the original. Yeah, I would hope they're filling it with story because that's something that Suspiria was lacking on. Like, you were able to pull a story out of it, I thought, but uh, I feel like the actual story itself could be expanded on. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that there's definitely room to expand on like maybe some more like witch rituals and do maybe like some creepy seances or things like that that could fill in some time and could expand on the mythos in an interesting and unique way so if it's that kind of stuff then i'm happy that it gets more time to do some like creepy suspense building but if it's just like adding more time to make it gorier and more shocking then i don't know if that's like a worthwhile use of like extra time i agree i think i think that kind of like wraps the bow up on it what do you think tim <laughs> so i haven't seen suspiria and i could just oh great i know I, we'll get, i'll get to it george has been telling me for like three days now that i need to watch it like every time he sees me um <laughs> But, well, you can go see it on November 19th. Here's my thought. What if it's two and a half hours long and it's just a half hour of an intro and then they just play all of the original <laughs> Suspiria and then they just have another half hour to like close it out? 
That'd be <laughs> ideal. That'd be great. From what I'm hearing, because I'm hearing it's pretty fantastic. So, like, <laughs> if they don't need to do anything, they'll just set it up and then... Yeah. <laughs> They're just bullshitting closing. everyone. Right. <laughs> this is just, like, a huge hype train. And, like, Dario Argento comes out from behind every screening and is like, I did it. I fooled you all. <laughs> yeah. So, Goblin, the awesome band who did the first movie soundtrack... They're going on tour, and you'll be able to like hear them play the score live while watching Suspiria yeah. uh, this year. And the only two dates that matter are on here. Uh, November 8th in Los Angeles, and November 19th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're going. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to go. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go for sure. I mean, uh, Suspiria... It's just like, that's a no-fucking-brainer, yeah, right? Like, honestly, that movie is great because it's so like visually stunning, but the music... The Goblin is, like, another... It's, like, almost 50% visuals, 50% Goblin, because the soundtrack is so fucking good in that movie. Like... Yeah. I almost don't want to watch it now until November 19th, <laughs> and then just go see it for the first time with, like, a live with band a live playing band. the score. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, just, just hold out, dude, on, at that point. Because, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I saw this story, and I was like, this is just so cool. I mean, I would yeah. never expect to even in my lifetime go see goblin in concert but setting it up this way is just such a great idea i agree but you know what was a bad idea what venom yeah it it really does look terrible uh both trailers are not good (laughs) to say the least and And the uh, one that there's three right there's a teaser that doesn't have venom in it right and then there's a trailer that's like kind of extended version of the teaser that has one one shot of venom in it and then now they released a trailer that has a lot of venom in it and it spoils the entire fucking movie (laughs) (laughs) and it's like it's the safest movie ever it's just like dark spider-man and he says turd yeah that was come on i was blown away that they actually put that line in the movie and it's coming from venom not even from like eddie brock like no, right, it's like coming in the from suit, like, like big, the intimidating, on. like anti-hero venom. <laughs> says the word turd. I, I'm sorry, but that CGI suit in the trailer looks like shit. All the it CGI so in that bad. looks so bad. It just, I just, I don't understand how people can be excited for this movie. Like, if you look at it and you go, "Oh yeah," like, hey, you know, they they made Spider-Man: Homecoming. Sony had nothing to do with Spider-Man: right. Homecoming. That was entirely the exact Marvel coming yeah. in, being like, "Yeah, we're this just going to take Spider-Man." People. So what's really a- what's really bothering me about this movie is that Venom exists in the Spider-Man: Homecoming universe, but then Venom does not. But uh, Venom does not now exist in the Spider-Man: Homecoming universe. Did I say the same thing twice? It's yeah, but I get what you're saying. Like like. It doesn't Spider-Man make sense. kind of is there, but not really. Like, Spider-Man yeah. exists in this movie. Like, in New York, in this movie, Spider-Man exists. But in the next Spider-Man movie, Venom will not have happened. Right. Because they because don't have the rights Sony is so completely stupid. worked out. <laughs> yeah, it's just... The, these are the people who made, you know, Spider-Man 3 and The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Well, they already knocked Venom out of the park with Spider-Man 3, so I don't <laughs> even know why they're trying again. Uh, it just looks so bad. Like, I'm sorry. Pe- I tweeted that it looks like shit because there's so many other ways you could take this that are better. Yeah. Like, George mentioned Agent Venom to me. And, you know, you could go very dark with it and make a horror movie like they were originally going to. But they just... They're making edgy Spider-Man, which... Who cares, dude? Seriously. Well, they're... I just... Yeah, they're ugh. trying to combine, like, what worked for Deadpool and what works for Spider-Man. But, like... They're doing the worst parts of both. <laughs> yeah, you're getting the worst of both worlds in this situation. They unironically said turd. Yeah. Like, come on. And, uh, George, you mentioned this morning, and I've actually seen a few people say this, but this is the same movie as Upgrade. And Logan, yeah. Mar- Logan yeah. Marshall Green looks just like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I want to say Ted Bundy. <laughs> Ted Tom, Tom Hardy. Yeah, Tom Hardy. Yeah, Tom Hardy. He looks just like Tom Hardy in this movie. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we reviewed Upgrade on the show, but, you know, it's basically the story of a guy who, like, almost against his will, gets this, like, super upgraded, like, enhancement to his body that makes him, like, a really, like, superhuman. And, like, through that has to, like, fight cops and, like, do his own story and stuff like that. And this is, like, almost the exact same idea. It's yeah, like... I thought you were just explaining the second... <laughs> 
trailer for <laughs> Venom. Right. I mean, it, it just looks like a worse version of Upgrade. Like, it's literally Eddie Brock gets this suit that he doesn't want that makes him a superhuman where he has to, like, set on his own path and probably fight. But it's going to be worse because he's going to fight literally a CGI version of himself that yeah. probably looks almost identical to him. That's going to be... It's going to be yeah, Spider-Man 3 fight Riot. all over again. Like, it's going to be horrible. <laughs> I'm a massive Spider-Man fan. Like, I have read upwards of four or 500 Spider-Man comics. I have no fucking idea who Riot is. I have never heard of Riot. <laughs> I have never seen him on a comic book page. And I swear to God, if people are flexing on Twitter trying to act like, oh, it's so cool they included Riot, they're fucking lying. <laughs> like, they're just straight up lying. Yeah, like, there's like one guy out there who's a huge Riot fan and nobody else knows who he is. And that yeah, guy got like, to make a movie, and it's called Venom, and it's coming out this year. <laughs> he also got 100% creative control somehow of the character Venom. Yeah, and I like how since the first episode of our podcast, we've evolved from punching down on indie movies to, like, <laughs> skyrocket sky uppercutting <laughs> to the top with Venom. Like, I'm sorry. I just... It, the whole thing just feels scummy. They're like, finally, someone came in and fixed our fucking universe of Spider-Man. So we're going to just, like, we're going to be the symbiote, but we're going to be a parasite, and we're just going to, like, feed off of, like, this quality work that was done. Right. I mean, I, I don't understand how this trailer is making people excited for the movie. I think it looks pretty bad. I it's don't... like they got excited that somebody came in and fixed the, like, Spider-Man universe, and they're like, oh, we gotta ruin this real quick, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's been going like, good for far too long. We've had one entire movie that was successful. <laughs> you know the only reason this movie's, like, being so rushed? It's obviously rushed, because I heard the rumor that first trailer came out, like, the day after they were yeah. done shooting the movie. Yeah, that was definitely they, going around. Like... They want to get this goddamn movie out after their quality game. <laughs> Like, yeah, they're the game looks. Yeah, they're pushing they're, they're it so that the Spider-Man game and that can get cross promotion. Like, are you kidding? Me? It's like someone at Sony was like, guys, you know, I realize now that it never, ever works when you release a game at the same time as a movie. But what if we release a movie to coincide with a game? Huh? <laughs> huh? What if we release I, a movie that's tertiarily correlated to this game <laughs> that exists? That's going to be really good. <laughs> Like it's yeah. is Venom even going to be in the no, Spider-Man game? I, I doubt I, it. I doubt it. I wouldn't put him in there. <laughs> Same just out of just out of spite, Venom. don't put him in. Oh, there. Oh, but you know what? I bet the one character that Spider-Man's looking at the end of the trailer is Riot. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shut up. Don't give them ideas, dude. <laughs> They're gonna film some reshoots right now. They just heard me say that. They're doing reshoots as we speak. God damn it. So, there you go, guys. If you're excited for Venom, I don't know. Like, th there's someone out there for you, I guess. <laughs> we're, we're just not that person. <laughs> we're not those people. So, but I am excited for the next thing we're going to talk about, which is the Netflix version of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, it's coming out just in time for Halloween on October 26th on Netflix. And it's an hour-long drama that will reimagine the story of Sabrina as a dark coming-of-age tale that has horror and occult stuff and witchcraft. And they did 20 episodes. Oh, it's across two seasons. So it's probably going to be 10 episode seasons. I was yeah. like, oh, fuck. Are you kidding me? 20 episodes. So, many episodes. <laughs> Whew. so this will probably be higher quality than Riverdale, I would guess. Which was our biggest fear, that it would feel like Riverdale. Right. But, I mean, since Netflix is the one that's paying for it, it'll probably have a bigger budget, I would assume, since CW pays for their shows and like i don't know if i were turning cans they find on the side of the road or something <laughs> yeah but uh, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah that's true this i'm actually really excited for this um the someone from cw is listening and they're like god damn it don't tell them like, well we gotta you change our whole budgeting them. system now <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, i mean the cast came out so far is really strong sabrina is played by um the girl who played uh sally draper and who was in uh, Black Coat's Daughter. Where's... Kunin Shipka. Yeah. And she's great. <laughs> and I'm I'm just like, I'm excited to I see... I can actually see her pull it off really well. Yeah, I'm excited to see her take this role, especially since it's like, after seeing her in Black Coat's Daughter, you can see like the dark side, like how she can be kind of like creepy and mysterious. 
And how this yeah, has all that kind of movie. occult witchcraft, like darker horror route. I'm extremely excited for this. Yes, I'm very excited. I'm glad it's coming out on October 26th. That's cool. Because uh, they're releasing Castle Rock at an alarming rate. So I, I'm going to be done with that before October. So I'm going to need something <laughs> to fill that void. And this is going to be it. Yeah, I'm really excited for this, though. Um, it just looks like it's hitting everything the right way. Like, everything seems to be going really smoothly. And it's got, hopefully, a decent budget since Netflix already bought two seasons worth. So they don't want it to be, like, a bad first season. Yeah, and the key art is awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It feels like uh, 70s. Super 70s. Yeah, totally. So this looks great. I'm super happy to see that it's coming out in October right around halloween so this will be definitely something i'm going to be binge watching late october tim um this is kind of the first i'm i'm hearing i i like heard when they first announced that they were doing the the remake um i'm not as sold on it as it sounds like both of you guys are i mean i'll give it a i'll give it a watch probably watch the first couple episodes um i like that they're going with a darker route and hopefully making it more serious but i don't see where the um i guess the alignment with the original show is gonna be because that was very much just like a quirky comedy uh this is pulling from uh comic books so like this i forgot the guy's name but he like rebooted sabrina as like a comic series called chilling adventures and basically what happens in that is she causes the zombie apocalypse in Riverdale, and then she gets banished to hell for a hundred years. That sounds much more. Um, <laughs> I'll say uh, that's much more chilling than the, I remember the show being, where they just had yeah. that cat that just made hilarious jokes all the time. Uh, yeah, and H.P. Lovecraft is like her dad. Oh, all right, all right. I'm I'm more on board now than I was like two minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's weird that. In the article, they're like, this is going to be different than the one Melissa Joan Hart was in. It's like, it's like yeah, I, I don't really so. think. <laughs> yeah, nobody remembers the Melissa Joan Hart one yeah. like, fondly. Why'd you, why'd you bring it up? <laughs> like, who cares? Wow, you got to cater to, like, teenage girls who are 40 now? Right. <laughs> like, okay. um, yeah, that's kind of where I was. Like, when I heard it was coming out, I was like, I didn't know anybody that liked that show originally, and I don't really <laughs> care to see it be brought back. Uh, now seeing that it's it, there, they have additional source material that's, like, barely related, I can get on board for that. That sounds cool. Yeah, so that comes out October 26th, just in time for Halloween, and there's no Super Mario Odyssey this year to uh, make you not watch it like i did with stranger things <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our review of the devil's doorway all right guys we're back from our quick break here and we're gonna be talking about the devil's doorway today it's a, it's a new film from ifc midnight which we all rented on amazon right i rented it through the xbox store but same thing all right so we all rented on amazon and it was like (laughs) six bucks it's a found footage movie that takes place in northern ireland and basically two priests are sent out to this uh nunnery i guess i don't know what it's called and there's a bunch of nuns there and they take in uh pregnant girls who are out of wedlock and uh you know disabled people i guess prostitutes and kids and prostitutes children and just like yeah the people who have nowhere else to go basically kind of gloss over all this stuff because the movie's an hour long yeah but, uh they the whole reason they go out there is because they hear there's a statue of mary that's crying blood it's a miracle it's a miracle yeah it's a miracle they got to go check it out on camera and uh so they go out there and obviously things are not as they seem and uh it gets crazy but, you know, first sin I got to talk about never answers how the footage was found or compiled. <laughs> it's like, you know, the one thing anyone who watches a found footage movie is going to complain about is that. So if you're going to make a found footage movie, that's what you should fucking deal with first. Right. How is the footage sense found? That you're watching how the footage. How is it compiled? Yeah. So what did you guys think of this movie? Um, I, I actually kind of liked it. I 
I thought that the setting was really cool. I thought that all the like set design was great. I liked that like super yeah. old school gothic church with they were the working nuns. on a budget but they did a good job with that budget. yeah it didn't like, really show i mean how many characters in this movie like three yeah i mean there's like literally <laughs> four characters <laughs> yeah and then there's a girl who gets bitch slapped to the ground <laughs> so she's character four <laughs> right so they keep it really tight in terms of like only having to pay a couple actors to really like sell it but i thought that the setting was really cool i'm like kind of torn on the the way that it was filmed i like that's what i was waiting for someone to mention dude so i hate the four by three i so i much. hate the four by three but i like the like filter like i think that it's it looks old which is cool and it's a nice like attention to detail but i think it being in four by three is annoying and inexcusable for a movie that comes out in 2018 yeah i I don't think they did a good enough job at making it look like old. It looked too high res. Like it looks like they put a PNG yeah. of a square over sixteen by nine <laughs> footage. Like honestly, it looks. Like, I, I'm not I trying agree. to be mean, like, but it looks like they filmed it. You yeah, can't wait, pretend wait, wait. that this movie came out in 1960 and like you can see emotions on people's faces and stuff like that. Um, I so I think they just should have just owned it and done 16 by 9 at the very least the filter would have been fine just don't pretend that this footage yeah. was actually found from 1960 and then like <laughs> yeah yeah but uh they did a really good job with the framing of the actual shots like uh, every time the nun the like bad nun who owns the place was on screen that she was framed like a painting oh she was horrifying it looked really cool yeah yeah her costume was great uh I, li- I like how short it was, you know? Like, I- I'm glad that they told the story they wanted to tell. They didn't embellish on it as, like, other movies would. And they kind of, you know, they knew when the movie was dragging, and they they upped the ante every time I started to get a little bit bored. So I was happy about that. I think the two uh, priests, th- they did a great job. They really sold their roles, especially for a movie that was presumably pretty cheap. It's another one of those movies, George, that was funded by Ireland, like the country. Oh, yeah. Remember that like movie, Nails? Yeah, yeah. Remember fucking Nails, dude? Yeah. <laughs> Tim, there's this movie called Nails, and any listeners don't know. George and I watched it for the show, and it is awful. <laughs> so bad. It is, like, one of the worst movies I've seen in a long, long time. So... The, the country of Northern Ireland funds these movies, gives people money to make them. And presumably it's pretty small, but this one was much better than Nails. Yeah, um, I thought this, like you said, I like that it's as short as it is. I think that that kind of allows it to have decent pacing with like it not being a very complicated story. Like they're able to kind of keep you interested the entire way because they don't have any like weird subplots there's or no anything. downtime right there's no downtime because everything is like just pure the plot moving forward constantly um few nitpicky things uh i i don't get how like uh, a statue of the virgin mary crying blood is a miracle i think that, that seems like probably a bad thing <laughs> it seems yeah <laughs> like if i saw that in a church i wouldn't be excited i'd be right terrified. like there was there was a scene where like a bunch of nuns like, were oh, praying great. to like the virgin mary statues <laughs> that were crying blood and like i was like you wouldn't pray to that you'd run and <laughs> scream loudly uh my favorite shot in the whole movie the entire movie is when the the camera's on the ground and it's facing the door of a room and there's a bed on the right side and the girl's sitting on the bed and that hand reaches up oh and, like, yeah that was her great. wrist that was really that cool. was one of the best shots I've seen in a horror movie in a while. Uh, another nitpicky thing I have is that the audio was too clear for something from 1960. It sounded like they had Sennheiser mics like on everyone. Like everyone was lavved up. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of the placement of this, the like weird little girl noises and stuff was not done right. It was just like laid over the movie. It was way too high quality. I was gonna say that I think it. Uh... It would have been a really cool movie to watch in headphones because I feel like it works really well with that like setting. But like you said, it doesn't fit the style of movie it is. But I think it would have been it would have made it a lot creepier. 
I think it would play really well in a theater. Yeah, probably. Especially yeah. if they could somehow get it onto film, like transfer it onto film rather than digital. Right. Like degrade it a little bit, you know, like I don't know, spill some coffee on the wheel <laughs> or something. Uh, I I like it. I think we've watched a lot of IFC Midnight movies, and they are hit or miss. But as far as they go, I think this is a good one for them. Yeah, I agree. I think this is one of the better IFC Midnight movies. It's a super low budget, um, in comparison to like something like a Blumhouse movie where the budget's like five million dollars or something. You know, it's cool that it's it doesn't really show its budget in that way like it's a it's very low budget but it does a good job of telling a creepy story with a good setting all the characters are get like actually a lot of development over time you get to like actually know them as the movie plays and that's something that a lot of like big budget movies don't even do right like i I think keeping it small and contained and very focused the entire time was definitely the right way to do it and i I, I thought the story kind of drags in the third act. I think that the... And I didn't like the yeah, ending I was very like, much. I paused it to go to the bathroom, and it was like, oh, it's an hour and 16 minutes long. I'm at... Uh, I'm definitely about to be at, like, uh, 45 minutes in. And then I was, like, 30 minutes in. <laughs> like, huh. It's like, it's kind of started dragging there, but it picked right up. Yeah, I, I think, like, the last setting is cool. The... It's... It, ends in the same place that it starts where it's like underneath the church in the crypt and that is kind of cool one gimmick that didn't really make any sense was the uh, camera light bulb going in and out i don't know they they didn't really explain it except for there's like one throwaway line where the young priest is just like oh yeah the bulb's about to die but like that's not how light bulbs work so <laughs> and it was happening the entire movie right like, so, yeah so he just bought a bunch of like almost dead light bulbs <laughs> was used in the entire but time. like still when your light bulb's about to die it doesn't just flicker off like every two minutes for a second yes he was like damn dude my light bulb's dying this is really sad alexa play despacito <laughs> yeah so so that was a weird gimmick but i mean that's that's kind of nitpicky the gimmick kind of felt like uh very video gamey where like Right. Yeah. It's not like video games sta- have like the flashlight, and like... you have to like shake the controller or something to get it to work uh, again. Have you played? Yeah, like Outlast. It felt like Outlast. Yeah. Where like your battery is always going out and shit. <laughs> but uh, it reminded me of that movie we watched, uh, George the Borderlands. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. It was kind of like that. Yeah, I don't remember the plot of that movie, but it's in my memory. It's similar. <laughs> yes, yeah, similar feel for sure. I think. George kind of touched on it a little bit. I think the characters and the acting were done so well in this movie. Like, the old father of the two, like, basically the main character of the movie, was so likable, and, like, he had, like, a pretty solid arc that I cared about, which, like George said, you don't really get that in, like, high-budget movies, and it worked really, really well in this movie. And then I think the, like, uh, I don't know what the old nun's name was, like, the leader. Yeah, Mother Superior. Um... I think she was incredibly well acted for the, uh, her role in the movie. So, Yeah, she was really scary. I did not like her, which I think was the goal. <laughs> I said that right at the beginning. Like, There's a scene where it's a, the camera's just on her face for like two minutes, and she's just complaining about something. I don't even remember what it was. And I was just, I looked at George, I was like, that's the villain for sure. Like, <laughs> I don't care what happens in the rest of the movie, this scene is scary enough that she is the bad guy. Yeah, she was really cool. I, I understand why they put her on the key art for the movie. Looked really good. Um, but yeah, I, to- I totally think this was worth renting, especially because it's so short. You know, like you can, like this. You, you, if you don't like it or you're like kind of lukewarm on it, it's not going to feel like you wasted your whole night watching it. And if found footage creeps you out, I think this this is on the the good end of the found footage scale. Yeah, I'd recommend if you're it. Found footage, I recommend it. Yeah, yeah. like you said about the runtime, I think. I, I prefer having movies like this or like Creep that you can knock it out really quickly and you like you said it doesn't you don't have to worry about not liking it because you wasted an hour of your time not two and a half hours and um I'd like to see more movies take that and like just tell the story you want to tell don't worry about trying to fit into a certain bucket of time um yeah especially with found footage yeah, yeah. have fun yeah right where the gimmick can get old pretty quick if it's not done well so I give this two and a half stars out of five. Yeah, 
I'd agree with that. That's what I'd give it. I, I didn't Worth come prepared with this. Um, <laughs> I'd probably give it a two. I think the character's really good. Um, I didn't really care. I feel like a lot of it relied on, like, religious knowledge, and I didn't get a lot of that. Um, yeah, me neither. So I'm not Catholic. I feel like so. that took it took away a little bit for me. Um, but I, I mean, like I said, it was an hour long, so I don't feel like I wasted my time either. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, this was one that uh, IFC Midnight was pushing really hard on their Twitter, and now I see why. Like this is a this one's this is one of the better ones they put out in a while, I think. Yeah, this is definitely the one that they they'd want to have be like the poster child for IFC Midnight until until they make a new movie. Yeah, so uh, if you guys want to watch that, it's available for rent everywhere right now. Uh, I rented it on Amazon, and it looked great. So you can go check that out there. Uh, but that brings us to the end of the show. So, Tim, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun having me. you on. You did a really good job. Oh, <laughs> I, was a little, I was a little nervous. <laughs> Everyone, Tim needs some good messages. So send him, send him some emails at podcast fear frequency podcast at gmail.com <laughs> I, I always want to say podcast at fear frequency.co do we even have that email uh probably i mean probably we have fear frequency.co we should set that up. we should set that so up. I, <laughs> but for in the meantime send tim some nice messages to fear frequency podcast at gmail.com uh tim where can we find you on the internet um i mean i'm not I'm on all the social medias, but I don't do anything on them. I just kind of lurk in the background. Uh, Instagram, uh, it's tslater42. At, I don't know. I guess it's not at anything. <laughs> at Instagram. Sure, George, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on all the social media at George Frizzard. And you can find me at youtube.com slash Jimmy Champagne. I'm a Halloween YouTuber now. So. <laughs> You can see my interview with Ryan Turek there. The highlight of my entire life. <laughs> George, bring us home. Yeah, uh, as always, come back next week for more horror news and reviews, and you never know who might be listening. <laughs> <laughs>